Are you the type of leader who wants to leave behind a legacy? Well, I'd love to help you unlock a legacy of excellence with the School Leadership Toolkit. For just $97, you'll gain access to 10 easy-to-implement resources, including templates, frameworks, and bonus content designed to help you manage your to-do list, make better decisions, navigate difficult conversations, and support your team. Fast-track solutions to your challenges by grabbing the toolkit at schoolsofexcellence.com toolkit or click the link in the show notes. Elevate your leadership journey today. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hey there, and welcome back to the Schools of Excellence podcast. I'm excited to dive into part four of our five-part series of building a culture of retention. So the first layer in building a culture of retention, just to do a quick recap, is a culture of community and belonging. Second layer in building a culture of retention is a culture of quality of life and work-life harmony. The third is creating a culture of contribution. And this week, we're going into creating a culture of accountability. So what is accountability? Accountability is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility for your actions. It is the bridge between a company's operating targets and an employee's role in helping to achieve those targets. We have a lot of fear around accountability. We have a lot of fear around thinking that there's this proverbial back door that says accountability. And when we push people against the door, they'll fall out and then they leave and they'll never come back. And accountability is actually not a door that is this invitation to leave the company. Accountability is a means to creating stability, safety, continuity, and security inside of the organization. And that's why a culture of accountability is actually a key layer in building and designing a culture of retention. One of the things we have to understand is that freedom without accountability is anarchy. So in a free society, like the one that we live in in America, which is a democracy, there still needs to be accountability. When there isn't accountability, we've seen this across our country, that when there is freedom, the human freedoms, freedoms, just all the freedoms that we have inside of our country, without accountability, anarchy begins to reign inside of the city. Crime goes up. All of these things happen. Why? Because there's no accountability. There's no accountability. People want to live in a place where there's law and order. And the people that want to live in a place where there's law and order are people who want to do good work in the world. They want to take care of their families, want to do good work in the world. And so what happens is, is that there is this dissonance where leaders want to create a culture of accountability, but they are afraid to come face to face with who they are as leaders and what needs to change inside of them for them to become a leader who leads with accountability who leads with that high level of integrity. So let's dive into how to really create this. First, I wanna share some statistics around accountability because I think far too many leaders are afraid of it and they consistently think that this is what's gonna push people out. 
According to a Gallup study, 47% of workers received feedback from their managers a few times or less in the past year. So less than 50% of employees got feedback from their leader. 26% of employees agreed that feedback that they did receive helped them do their jobs better. 26% of people felt that the feedback that they got actually helped them do their jobs better. So we're poorly supporting our employees from a leadership level. But let's go a layer further. 25% of leaders that were surveyed feel that 10 to 20% of their workers avoid accountability, which means if you have a pie of 100%, only 10% of the people avoid accountability. And what happens is, is the leader spends 80% of their time taking care of the 10% of people that are afraid of accountability, as opposed to saying these 10% of people probably don't belong in my organization. It's really scary to have to sit with and say, why am I afraid? What is the worst thing that's going to happen? Why am I afraid of holding this person accountable? Am I afraid that if I say something, they're going to leave? Is that the basis of our relationship? That if I say one thing, they walk out the door? Could you imagine a marriage, a relationship with two people where if one partner says something, they're afraid that the person's going to leave? So they never say anything that is emotionally uncomfortable? That's not a real relationship. That person's trapped in a prison of a quote-unquote relationship. There has to be the opportunity to hold people accountable, to share what's going on. Esther Perel has a really great quote, without dissent, there is no intimacy. If I cannot share a difference of opinion or a different voice without fear of repercussions of our relationship, there's no real relationship here. There's no intimacy in this relationship. So if we bring that into the workplace, if you cannot hold people accountable and you cannot sit in conversations that are emotionally uncomfortable because you are afraid that the person's going to leave, that is not a relationship. There's no relationship with that employee. If the relationship hinges on moment-to-moment -moment interactions, on moment-to-moment -moment conversations where at any moment the person's like, you basically have a team of people that live on the cliff. And anything that happens, they're off the cliff. You can't take risks when you're standing at the edge of the cliff. You will not make mistakes when you are standing at the edge of the cliff. You are constantly standing in fear that you're going to fall off the cliff. And that is not an organization where people want to stay. I don't want to be in a place where I'm constantly on the cliff, especially someone like me. I like to keep my feet firmly planted on the ground. I don't especially enjoy hiking on high mountains or going on ski lifts or doing any of that kind of stuff. I want to keep my feet firmly planted on the ground. But I do take risks like that. I do go hiking. I do still go do stuff like that, even when I'm afraid. Typically do them with Mayor, who's my husband, who's a lot more adventurous than I am. But if I had to spend the whole vacation on the cliff, I, I don't know that I would sign up for that because that is too much instability for me. And so the reason I'm bringing that in is because when a leader is constantly living on edge, that any emotionally uncomfortable conversation pushes a teacher out the door, that leader is not operating on strong footing. You're not grounded. You have a constant sense of instability and insecurity. How can you grow an organization? How can you take big risks? How can you look at big picture vision and opportunity and look at the horizon 
if you're constantly worried that anything is going to push your people out the door or off the cliff. It, it doesn't work together. It doesn't work together. A quote that I love from a show, there's a show called Undercover Billionaire, where a billionaire gets planted in this random place in America and he works to create a million dollar business in 90 days. And the first three days that he's in this like random place, I don't even know the name of the city. He talks about how every day that he was in survival, right, where he was just trying to find enough money to cover his basic living expenses is a day that passes that he cannot build his company until he has enough money to live, right, to actually have a roof over his head because he was living out of his truck for the first three days. He cannot think big picture and build his company, whatever company he was going to end up building. The same thing is with you as a leader. You cannot build legacy opportunities, spot opportunities, spot threats. Look at what's possible. Go acquire other centers. Go merge with other things. License things out. Just build your business at a whole different capacity when you are constantly worried that any conversation pushes your people out the door. Part of leadership is having emotionally uncomfortable conversations. And if anything you say to your employees might push them over the edge, you're not building culture. You're trapped in your own center because you can't have conversations with people. Now, I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm talking about having emotionally uncomfortable conversations. There's a difference. And we're going to go into a little bit of that today. So a culture where the leader is afraid to have difficult conversations is a leader that is really having an underperforming team because it's a leader that is settling for the status quo in exchange for not needing to be emotionally uncomfortable. I'm going to say that again, a leader who settles, a leader who doesn't want to have emotionally uncomfortable conversations, a leader who doesn't want to hold people accountable is a leader who is settling for an underperforming team. So how do we create a culture of accountability? So I want to go over a chart that I created that's actually part of our difficult conversation template, which you can download inside of the show notes. We have a difficult conversation template. We have a scripts workbook. All of those things are available to you inside of the show notes here. And so one of the graphs that I created a very long time ago was the difference between a culture of blame and a culture of accountability. So let's talk about a culture of blame. When we're in a culture of blame, we blame the individual, right? We say, who made this mistake? Who did it? In a culture of accountability, we look at the system. Is there anything inside of our system that increases the likelihood of this mistake? So a culture of accountability is not a culture where we tolerate mistakes, where we just let every single mistake fly. No, it's a culture where we say it's not about who made the mistake. Is there something in our system that possibly creates a higher likelihood that this mistake happens? Let's go a step further. In a culture of blame, there is who did it and what they did was wrong. There's a focus on what the person did was bad. It was wrong. Whereas in a culture of accountability, we look at the problem from a perspective of challenge. What happened here? We lean in with curiosity. What happened here? Tell me more. We lean in with curiosity when we're creating a culture of accountability. Let's go further. Culture of blame is about you need to be written up for this. It is the intent of punishment. Whereas in a culture of accountability, there's an intent on performance. Let's see what we need to do to get the results we desire. You did something. We didn't get the results we desire. So it's not about you need to be punished. It's about 
How do we actually create the results that we want here? And lastly is around outcomes. In a culture of blame, there's cover-up. I hide my mistakes better next time. Or we say something like, it's not worth taking a risk. But in a culture of accountability, there's an openness to learning. I want to talk about this mistake because then we can all learn and grow from it as a school. We bring up the mistake and say, hey, I kind of screwed up a little bit over here. Let's talk about it because I want to make it better. When we're designing this culture of accountability, and I do strategic intensives and leadership days and conversations with owners on our Owners HQ program, on our coaching calls that we have, the recurring theme that happens, the questions that keep getting asked is owners are typically asking about young directors. And what happens is, is young directors don't have enough reps or experience to be able to practice discernment when it comes to accountability. And so young directors come in with this notion that has overtaken the West. It's not fair. It needs to be equal. It's not fair. If I did it for this person, I have to do it for this person. It's not fair. Everything is about fairness. And that's not how we build cultures of excellence. This isn't about fairness. It's about everyone getting what they need. I'm going to say that again for all the young directors who are listening to this. This is not about building a culture of fairness. It's about designing a culture where everyone gets what they need. I have four kids. I do not treat my kids equally. When Mendel needs new pajamas, I don't order pajamas for all my kids. Mendel needs pajamas, not Goldie. She's good. She's got pajamas. Mendel needs new pajamas. When I'm making breakfast in the morning, right? Usually my kids take care of their own breakfast. They take cereal, milk, they make eggs or whatever it is. But today, Chayel is sick. So today I'm making her breakfast. That doesn't mean I'm making breakfast for all my kids today. No, Chayla needs me to make breakfast for her today because she's not feeling well. So she needs a little tenderness and a little extra care. So I'm going to make sure she has that I take care of her breakfast today. Usually my kids make their beds, clean up their rooms, do all the things. Yassi wasn't feeling well this morning. My son Yassi is five. He makes his bed. This morning, he didn't make his bed. He will not be held accountable for it because he's not feeling well. Not because he's five. There's a standard in our family where at five, you could start making your bed. I do not expect perfection. My son is not staying in the Waldorf Astoria. He does not need to make his bed like they do in that hotel. He could just straighten it up the best way possible. And he is held accountable for it, which means he's brought back to his room to create, to make his bed if he forgot. But this morning he had a stomach bug and he wasn't feeling well. And he was curled up in a fetal position on the carpet in our living room. I am not going to walk him back to the bedroom and tell him to make his bed. Does that mean that I've created anarchy inside of my house? No, it's called discernment. It's called understanding and using your wisdom. When do I hold the person accountable to the standard and to the expectation that we've created inside of this organization? And when is it, yeah, no, this is not the time to do it. Young directors especially struggle with this because they want fairness and they don't have enough reps to recognize that it's okay that this person didn't come on time today right? They're so afraid of what other people think. Like, oh my God, but then everyone's going to think that like, I'm treating her differently. 
Okay. And then what? Right? Why are you treating her differently? Are you treating her differently because you like her more than everyone else? Are you treating her differently because her son woke up with a crazy high fever and she needed to run to the ER in the morning and so she came 45 minutes late to work? Like, why are you treating her differently? It's really hard to sit with this because it's messy. It's ambiguous. It's not clear cut and dry. And our minds and our brains want the spreadsheet. When X happens, do this. When this happens, do that. It's, it's, it's so utter, it's nonsense. Because humans are not spreadsheets and PowerPoints. We are not points of data that are inputted and then spit out of like, okay, and now this is what happens. A really great documentary to watch, if you've never watched it, is a documentary called In Search of Greatness. It's on Amazon Prime or, I don't know, a couple of other places. But this documentary, In Search of Greatness, interviews the greatest athletes of all time. And the common denominator of all of the greatest athletes of all time is not their talent. It was their relentless pursuit to greatness, It wasn't about, oh, I fit the mold in this exact thing. And that is why I was able to score the most goals possible. No, they held themselves accountable to a personal higher standard and higher level of discipline. So let's go back to how this all really ties in over here to creating a culture of accountability and why that's tied into a culture of retention. When young leaders need to hold people accountable, but they're afraid because then I have to do it like this for everyone else. Or if I don't do it like this, or if I don't implement this thing, then everyone's going to take advantage of me. It's a constant scarcity mindset. It's a constant fear-based thinking. And so they can't step into greatness. They can't step into that level of, I'm going to make some mistakes because that's part of being human, but I'm going to do the best that I can to hold people accountable to the standard of our organization. And sometimes I'm going to give people grace where they need grace. And sometimes I'm going to give people grace where I probably shouldn't have given grace. Sometimes I'm going to hold people accountable and that was the right thing to do. And sometimes I'm going to have a difficult conversation and really that was not the right time to have that conversation. And I probably should have waited a week. Here's the crux of this thing. The way that you build that discerning muscle of accountability is by doing it again and again and again. It's not by thinking about it or ruminating over it. It comes from doing it. And so the leader has to make mistakes. She, He or she has to sometimes say the wrong thing and go back and repair and apologize. But the fear of making the mistake around accountability is stopping you from holding anyone accountable. And so people learn very quickly the system. They learn that with this person, I need to do this. And with this person, I don't need to do this. And when they gamify the system, what happens is, is you have anarchy. You have anarchy inside your organization because your leader cannot hold the team accountable. They cannot create law and order inside of the organization. And it kind of goes to these two extremes. Either they're like, there's like crazy law and order and everything is like to the T or there's way too much room for like people filling in the blanks. And I find that in leaders pursuit to be in the middle, 
they end up marrying themselves to perfectionism because they think that the middle is the perfectionism. And it's not. In the middle, you're also going to make mistakes. Holding people accountable is this dance between I need to go in and have that conversation. My motivation for going into that is this is what is needed for the organization. I'm going to remove all my ego and all my confirmation bias and all my rage or pissed offness or resentment. And I'm going to enter the conversation with curiosity and humility. That's how I like to best prepare for conversations when I need to hold people accountable. And it's this dance because even with all that intention, the conversation could go completely sideways. So here's what I want to invite you to think about when it comes to designing this culture of accountability. One, accountability is a mindset. It's a practice. It is not a project. Today I'm holding people accountable. It's not today. It's, it's at every one of those little moments, those ordinary moments where you choose discomfort, where you choose courage over being comfortable, where you choose to look someone in the eye and tell them the truth over turning away and hoping that they didn't see. It's in those moments. It's always in those moments. So the culture of accountability lends itself to also a culture of feedback where team members are open to feedback. They're open to learning about their past performances and how they can do better because in the feedback comes accountability, right? It really comes together. So I need to share a powerful story of accountability and how that transformed a company culture. So there was a particular teacher a new teacher, I knew, you know, she was in the company, I don't know, about six months, maybe nine months at the time when I started working with this, with this owner. And the teacher was really struggling with her classroom management. She really loved the kids. She had a very gentle tone of voice with the children. She was very loving, very kind. She had a lot of creative ideas inside of the classroom, but she really struggled with the management of the day-to-day, mainly transitions. So transitions, meaning bringing the children from one side of the building to the other side of the building or transitioning them from one activity to another activity was very, very challenging for her. And the owner who was trying to coach the director on how to kind of go in and role model what was happening, um, they were both really struggling with having this conversation with the teacher. They're like, oh, she's so good and that thing and we don't want her to leave. And they were like all in this like agony and distress of like having this conversation with the teacher. And they were putting it off for months. And we had this coaching call together and I said, listen, what are you most afraid of? And they both at the exact time in like perfect harmony said, we're afraid she's going to leave. And I was like, why are you afraid she's going to leave? Is she absolutely miserable? Like, is she showing signs of distress where she's like, I hate this place. Is she toxic? Like, why are you afraid she's going to leave? And they're like, oh, because she's such a good teacher and she works so hard and she takes all this initiative, but like she's really struggling with management. And I said, I flipped it on its head for them. And I said, listen, 
what if you actually being emotionally uncomfortable and having this conversation with her about her classroom management and coming in and role modeling for her more effective ways of transitioning the classroom? What if that becomes the catalyst for her to stay? What if the reason that she's thinking about leaving is because the day-to-day of running the classroom is so stressful on her and she doesn't know a better way? What if you holding her accountable to a higher level of classroom management is the reason she does end up staying? Anyways, they were both blown away by it. And I gave them a script and I helped them walk them through the conversation and I coached them through it. And they went and they had this conversation. We'll call the teacher Linda. And they sat down with Linda and they told her, you know, what was going on inside of the classroom. And they asked her, you know, do you want ideas on how to transition the children better um, and how to manage the classroom better? And then, you know, how could we support you through it? Linda was so relieved. She was like, thank you. Like, I, I was so embarrassed to come and ask you because I really love the classroom and I love my job. And, you know, I really want to work here. This is such a great place to work. And I was so afraid to come and tell you that I was struggling because I didn't want you to think that I wasn't a good teacher. Owner thought one thing, teacher thought another thing. And that really became a catalyst for this teacher to stay. She actually ended up being promoted, um, which we're going to talk about next week, which is designing a culture of promotion. A culture of accountability sets people free. It actually relieves stress and it helps people level themselves up. It really helps people level up. So when we talk about your action steps or just the mindset shift, Leadership is accountability. Accountability is not living in fear that what if people leave us? Accountability is about understanding that this is my company standards. These are the company values. This is our company's mission and vision. And we're here to support you. We're here to guide you. We're here to help you navigate. And we're going to hold people accountable to this because if you're part of this organization, You want this infrastructure and creating this type of infrastructure requires this level of accountability. So the questions I want to leave you with here today are the following. One, why are you afraid to hold people accountable? Fill in the blank. Answer that question for yourself. Number two, what is your biggest fear if somebody leaves? So let's say your biggest fear actually ends up happening and you hold someone accountable and she leaves. What are you afraid of is going to happen in that moment? What, what are you worried about, about that moment? Like the walk yourself through that moment. What part of being emotionally uncomfortable when you need to have those difficult conversations to hold people accountable scares you? Why are you afraid to be emotionally uncomfortable? What are you afraid that sits on the other side of that discomfort? What are you afraid of? What sits on the other side of that discomfort? And now I want you to answer the other questions. What would it feel like if I had a culture of accountability? What would my top players on my team feel like if I held everyone on the team accountable? Would they show up differently? Would they stay, step up in a different way? Would they be more creative? Would I have more initiative of new ideas? How would I sleep differently at night if I had a culture of accountability? 
How would I think of myself and hold myself in a new regard with a higher level of accountability? Ask yourself these questions, ponder on them, and understand that designing a culture of accountability and feedback is a layer of building a culture of retention and legacy for yourself. So if you want more strategies on accountability, this is what we talk about all the time. We have links in the show notes to our difficult conversation template. We have links in the show notes to our scripts workbook. We have a link in the show notes where you can apply for our directors in our circle or owners HQ program if you're looking for more coaching and training and community on designing a culture of accountability and a culture of retention. So thank you so much for joining us. We have one more episode in this entire series. Next, we're going to be talking about building a culture of promotion. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us.